Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and you're listening to my Writing Table Podcast. Today's guest is Zibby Owens. Zibby Owens is the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Zibby, named New York City's most powerful book influencer by New York Magazine's Vulture, conducts warm, inquisitive conversations with authors, making her show a top literary podcast as selected by Oprah.com in 2019 and 2020. She also created the Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Way community and hosts the accompanying podcast. Zibby is the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a Medium.com publication. Most recently, she released an anthology, Moms Don't Have Time to a Quarantine Anthology. Zibby serves on the boards of Mount Sinai Health System, the Mount Sinai Parenting Center, the Child Mind Institute, and co-chairs the Library Council of the New York Public Library. A graduate of Yale University and Harvard Business School, Zibby currently lives in New York with her husband, Kyle Owens, of Morning Moon Productions, and her four children, ages 6 to 13. She always has a book nearby. Welcome, Zibby! Thanks. Thanks for having me, Chris. We are so excited to have you. I mean, you are the busiest woman in the world right now. So let me start with what made you convert your love for books to the podcast you began in 2018? Well, it started because I had been doing a lot of writing myself and my husband suggested that I take all my essays and make them into a book. And I said, Ugh, moms don't have time to read books. And I thought, oh, that's so funny. I'll call my, that'll be the title of my book. But I got advice that that wasn't a good idea, but I still had this great title. And another friend had recommended that I start a podcast at the same time. So I thought, oh, I'll take that title. I'll put it on this podcast. And then what should the podcast be about? And I'm always somebody who's like recommending books to people or like people would ask me, I'm going on vacation. What should I bring? And I would. Um, so I thought, well, I could read essays that I love that I'm also always ripping out and sending people. I could read parts of books and save people time from reading. Then I found out that was illegal. So so I thought, okay, well, I guess I could try interviewing the authors. Um, I've always wanted to talk to authors. That would be amazing, but I only knew like three authors. So um, I was like, well, I'll start with them and let me just see what happens. And that's how it started. That's so funny. And it's so funny that someone told you that was not a great title because now that is everywhere. So I mean, yes. you know, you just can't listen to everybody. No, no. And and kudos to you for taking a concept that was centered around not having time to read books to a podcast that really legitimizes the reality for most moms. Is it true that when you started, you didn't have a single social media account? When I started, I had just joined social media because I had been trying to um, help build my husband's family's crumb cake business called Nini's Treats. So until we started Nini's Treats, or really turning it from their small sort of mom and pop like local business to an online site, which with nationwide fulfillment and all that, um, before that, I had no social media at all. I saw an article in The Vulture that mentioned stacks and stacks of galleys you received. How do you manage the sheer volume and how do you prioritize your reading? That is a good question and one that I struggle with a lot. Um, I literally bought a library cart um, online from Amazon and it's like out in my hallway (laughs) outside of my office (laughs) and it's like overfilling with galleys. Um, I usually get... I don't know, between like one to six books a day um, in the mail. And 
I put them off and then like once every two weeks, I go through all of them and like a big chunk of time. Then I get lots of pitches via email and I put all those into a folder and I have a big chunk of time where I go through those. But I don't like to rush it because every book is like someone's pride and joy that they've worked for so long on. So there's some types of books that I never, that I rarely pick um, or I know right away they're just not going to be something that I would personally respond to. But um, I try to do my best to give everything sort of a shot. The the main thing is that I have to be excited to read it because I'm reading it myself. Um, but I also have different considerations too. Like, did I just do a book exactly like this? Or, um, you know, I want to make sure to have a diverse range of voices represented on my podcast, a diverse range of topics, diverse range of genres. Um, so I'm trying to like mix and match and have this formula somehow just work without it being very structured. Um, but mostly it's just seeing a book and feeling that sense you get when you see a book, you know, you want to read. Um, and then also I try, it's harder for me with the digital galleys, but I do try to, um, you know, like read a few pages, skim through it, make sure that I'm not eliminating something, um, without any reason essentially. So I don't know. I do my best. Jamie Brenner calls you a centralized, all-purpose book maven. Were you always book obsessed? <laughs> I love Jamie Brenner. Yes, I has, I've always been book obsessed. I've always been reading. I've always been writing. Um, I've always had a book in my hand. I'd be at sleepaway camp, like reading on my bed all the time. <laughs> what were the books that you read, like when you were at sleepaway camp? Oh, I loved like Marjorie Morningstar and... Um, I remember I was at camp, so I was starring in the Diary of Anne Frank, the play. So I was like reading that book alongside it. I was reading Jane Eyre, um, which I had to read for school, but I remember reading that over the summer. Um, and then like Nora Klein and I don't know, just uh, all sorts of books. When you were out with COVID, you said you organized your books. What did that look like? I didn't really mean to. I started with a single shelf. This is like, that could actually be the title of like an essay. Cause I didn't mean to redo the whole wall. Just like, I didn't mean to build this whole sort of like operation I have going now. It started with a single podcast, right? It started with this one shelf. And my husband said, you know, I really feel like you'll have more room if you put them up upright versus horizontal. And I was like, I really don't think so. I think it's the same amount. And I have, I am like... <laughs> spatially impaired. I have like no sense of space. I'm like constantly like hitting my car into things. I just, I'm not good at <laughs> spatial stuff at all. So in my mind, it, I didn't think that was the case. So kind of to prove it to him, I was like, well, let me just try one and show you. He's like, yeah, try one. So I propped it up. And of course he was completely right. I had like two thirds full. I had another third of a shelf of space left. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then I don't know. I just started like filling in some shelves. And then once I started, I was like, Ooh, wait, maybe I could do it this way. Maybe I could do it this way. And I don't know. I just like got going. I dumped like all, I got on the top of my sofa. I was like pulling down the things. And, um, yeah, I was still in quarantine. It's the first time I got out of bed. And so nobody was even in the room with me. And so 
I was just going crazy. Um, and I, yeah, I asked my husband to like leave a step stool in the hallway for me. And I don't know, it was like a whole production. What'd you do with the extra books? Well, actually I could fit more when I turned them this way. That was part of the impetus for doing it is I have had like, even behind the couch now, I have like piles of books on the floor because I don't know what to do with them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so, but I did give away a bunch. You wrote a beautiful essay about your divorce and how reading helped you through it. And I'm, I want to read something that you wrote. When I decided to get divorced at age 38 as the mother of four kids, including a nine-month-old baby, I did so because I couldn't not. I did so fundamentally to save my soul. I don't blame my ex-husband. The ins and outs of our relationship are probably familiar to many and largely irrelevant for reasons hard to articulate yet easy to feel. That vulnerability that you shared is just amazing. You also got some advice from your therapist. I think some of the advice from my therapist um, was don't miss the plot. So whenever I was thinking about life and worrying about small things, that's one thing she would always say. Another thing she told me is that on those days when I had left my marriage and I was alone on the weekends, I would feel very sad with my kids gone. And she was like, but Zibby, you've always loved to read. Like with a book, you'll never be lonely. And I just loved that. And it's true, many weekend days when I don't have the kids, I often find myself reading for just hours and hours at a stretch. And <laughs> my, my poor husband asked me like, come on, let's like go hang out. Um, but those things really helped. It's, it's, it was not easy. Uh, it, it's still not easy when I don't have the kids. Um, and I know that they're upset about something and I can't be with them. And it's just really, really hard. I don't regret it, um, but it's hard. So I write about it sometimes. I try not to write about my former marriage at all, but, um, you know, it, 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 I think it says enough that I'm no longer in it. <laughs> right. You presented it with such grace. So kudos to you and, and to your therapist. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yes. I don't see her anymore, but I probably should. <laughs> now, when are you going to pencil that in? I don't have time. I'm not even kidding. That's why I stopped. That's why I, I stopped for therapy. I don't. Um, Finding your way through that pain brought you to the books that you loved. What brought you to writing and collecting the essays for Moms Don't Have Time to Read, the anthology? So at first, I just wanted to start a website. I was interviewing so many authors and I would always say something like, oh, you know, you should really write an essay about the fact that you like run marathons or like, oh, I'd love to hear more about this, but now it's time for our episode to end. And I really, I just wanted to hear more from them about different topics. And I also just kept getting all of these different ideas. And I was um, hanging out one night with this author, Claire Gibson, and telling her how I really wanted more of that sort of original content and maybe it could be a website, but I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And she was, she said that we, it should just be the authors from the podcast that would make it unique instead of like opening it up to everybody um, and having it just be from them. Or maybe I said that, I don't know. It was during that conversation that we came up with this idea to make it a website. Um, and I, so I reached out to all the authors I'd had up till that point on the podcast and asked um, if they would write an essay Many said yes. Um, and then I got contracts with all of them. And then when the pandemic happened, it was right when my deadline was like March 15th or something was when the deadline was for all the essays to come in. And so instead of having time to build up this whole big site and edit the essays one by one and, and launch it the way I wanted, uh, I just sort of begged this old friend of mine 
who was a designer to make my site look nice enough. And I got two editors to help me and we started putting essays on the site. We did that for almost two months at the beginning of the pandemic. And then when I felt like things were getting back to normal, I decided to stop those essays. I called the whole publication, We Found Time, because I felt like people were out and about a little more. Maybe we didn't have time anymore. And then in September, like a month and a half after that, I was like, I wonder how many essays I ended up releasing for We Found Time. And I realized that there were like more than 60. So I copied and pasted them all into one document. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's a book. And I had an, I had all the contracts already. So all I did was have to just hand it to a publisher. And I was like, here, it's done. I love the cover with your girls with their heads in books and turning the other way. Thank so you. are your children readers? Sort of. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a niece who is as big a book lover as I was. So cool. I see a lot of myself in her love of books. Um, she already wants to be an editor. <laughs> In the midst of what was one of the most terrible years we've had collectively, you started this project, you got this book going, and then you are donating the proceeds to support COVID research at Mount Sinai. When did you decide to donate the proceeds? Well, actually what happened, the website was up, the articles were up. It was um, right before that moment I described a minute ago where I copied and pasted all the essays. Mm -hmm. Um, I had lost my mother-in-law to COVID, a six-week really horrific illness that I documented like all along the way on Instagram. So I had all these people sort of invested in what was going on and I wanted to do something to honor her. And she passed away August 31st and this all happened in September. Um, and at that point we were still all searching for a vaccine. There hadn't been one announced yet or anything. So when I... At some point when I had submitted the manuscript, I I was thinking about, you know, I was like, I'm not going to keep these proceeds if there even are any, but <laughs> um, I have to donate to helping find a vaccine, which I had done on my own. We had done it as a family, but um, I thought, if anything, I can use this book. You know, it's all about, a lot of it's about the anthology and being during COVID and all of that. So it felt right to me. It was a lovely gesture, a great way to honor her. Thank you. A few weeks ago, in an email you and I had, you said something about writing a memoir. And I said, how are you doing that? And you said, running out of time. <laughs> in all caps. And I got your point, but I, I was left wondering if you'd like to share this message on a broader Yes, scale. I'm sorry for not elaborating. Um, yes, I am writing a memoir. I'm really excited about it. I had a harder time getting into it than I expected. I was really excited to start it, but there's so much I wanted to say. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to structure it perfectly. I felt a little overwhelmed, even though I've written a lot. It just took a while to sort of dive in. What's ended up happening is I've written most of it in a couple chunks of time. Um, and then the rest of the time, I just worry about the fact that I'm not writing enough of it. <laughs> Um, but yesterday morning, for instance, this is a weekend I didn't have the kids. I woke up. I always wake up just so early by five or something. So yesterday I sat from like five. No, it was probably from 530 to 830 or something like that. And I wrote like 8,000 words. I just like boom, 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 boom. I am writing it when I have a chunk of time. Otherwise it's tricky for me. I'm just having, I just, it's hard for me to write a page like I just need to get into it more. So anyway, I'm, I am struggling to find the time. Um, 
what I should probably do is just say, I'm going to do this on my weekends when I don't have the kids and, and then don't worry about it the rest of the time. So actually, thank you. That's what I've just decided. (laughs) Is there a certain segment of your life that you're focusing on? It's going to be from the 20 year period starting at 9-11 because I lost my best friend on 9-11 and it really changed my life in so many ways. Um, but I can't seem to get past that. So in my narrative, I'm still sort of a year three after 9-11. So I'm wondering if I'm ever going to get out of my 20s, but I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get to here. I've launched Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium, which is a personal essay site, not just now for contributors to the podcast, but for anybody who wants to write. And the good thing about Medium that I love is that it always tells you exactly how many minutes it'll take to read. So when I write an essay, I can say like, okay, well, this is a five minute read. So I really like knowing things like that to quantify how much time things will take. Um, I don't have any plans for TV um, at the moment, uh, although it is still a dream to be able to show the authors and not just hear them. Um, But who knows? Um, Podcasts seem to be where it's at. And I love doing a podcast. Plus, they take a lot less time than like putting on a whole show and getting dressed up. And, um, you know, so for now, this is working really well. It's allowing me to do all the things I want to do. I heard you say that is your happy place when you're doing podcasts. You could do those all the time. Have you ever had a day when you've had to do like a bunch back to back? A lot of days. I did every day. I did, I did three this morning. Um, oh gosh. I did one. Yeah. Back to back in 30 minute increments. So I did two read books and one lose weight podcast. And um, I'm doing an Instagram live later after this and I'm doing your podcast and then I have another podcast. On the Emma Staub podcast, you said something like, I could never be a maitre d' because I wouldn't know where to put people. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I think if anybody could know, you you have four children and you're doing all of this, you'd be like the best maitre d'. (laughs) (laughs) And the United Nations. I mean, I I am like feeling like I'm doing that because this moms don't have time to travel that I just started. Um, I built this whole website this weekend so I could sell the rooms. And um, now I'm like moving people from room to room who want to stay with friends. And I have spreadsheets and I have to do so much. Uh, But you know what? I think I just really love challenging myself because I keep asking, why am I doing this? Like, why? (laughs) why am I doing this? I should, I could have hired somebody to do it, but then it like, wouldn't be exactly what I wanted. And I know how to work everything with the website. And I can like basically, you know, do some, you know, minor league coding at this point. And, um, I am a Squarespace expert. So I was like, I'll just do it. And in the five hours it'll take me, it'll take me longer than that to explain what I want. Um, so yes, now I feel like perhaps I could try being a maitre d', although um, I don't know, just having to linger over people and the stress of not being able to control the timing. I think that is what the part of maitre d' dumb that I find um, intimidating. For long, we're going to have moms don't have time to code. <laughs> Did I hear that you were allergic to dogs? I was. I am. I. I mean, I and there's know. a dog sitting behind you. Well, this was so Naya, who's sitting behind me, was my mother-in-law's dog, and oh. she had two dogs when she passed away this summer. And so we took one, and Kyle's sister took the other dog. Um, and I, and then, and for the ten days or however long the quarantine was, when we got back from um, where from Duke where she passed away when we brought the dogs back with us and, and Stephanie was staying with us as well. And both dogs, I 
my allergies, I cannot explain, like I could not even breathe. I was for the first month, the first, particularly the first couple of weeks with both dogs in the house. Um, my gosh, I literally was like in the middle of the night, like rummaging through for like more, more medicines and whatever I was sneezing. I mean, it was my whole body, but, um, you know what? I've gotten used to it and it, wow. I don't even sneeze anymore. It's the craziest thing. Um, it, now it's been what, six months or seven months and my body has adjusted and who knew? Usually I ask guests what they're reading, but instead I'd like to do a rapid fire format about what you've already read because you have read so much. Okay. So let's, let's go. The book that broke your heart. Jill Santafello, The Light We Lost, Broke My Heart. Amazing book. The book that made you feel understood. Um, the book that made me feel understood. That is tricky because at different times there's different things. Um, there's a book by Claire Bidwell Smith called The Rules of Inheritance about loss. And I'll I'll go, I'll go with that one. Okay. Uh, the book that made you laugh till it hurt. Kristen von Ogtrop's new book. It's called um Did I Say That Out Loud? Oh, I love that title. <laughs> so funny. It's great. It's also poignant and great, but it made me laugh a lot. Oh, those are the best ones. The book that made you want to take action. Um, uh, there's a new book coming out called Huddle by Brooke Baldwin, and it's about sort of the power of women supporting women. And I guess that one. The book hangover that lasted years after you read it. Mm, that's an interesting one. Um, I have to say, after I read Britt Bennett's book, um, The Vanishing Half, that that cast a, a wide net. I, you know, it was hard to pick up another one. It was so good. The book that made you believe in love or made you believe in love again? Um, that's a good question, too. Um, I don't know. Maybe Love Story by Eric Siegel. The book that restored your faith in humanity. The book that restored my faith in humanity. Um, there's a children's book called 10 Hidden Heroes by Mark Shriver, and it features all sorts of people who help people in, in all different ways. And I just loved it. And I think it reinforced my belief that everyone can play their role in the world to help out. You have spoken to more authors than probably anybody else we know. What's the best writing advice you've received? One piece of advice I really liked was just to get into the document every day. Just open the document. Um, just because once you're in it, you'll play with it a little bit. And another piece of advice that I like is to leave off in the middle of a scene in between days so that when you go back in, you know exactly where you are and can pick it back up as opposed to having to like start a whole new section. We talk a lot on this podcast about the camaraderie among authors and people in the writing community. You only knew like three authors when you began. So how have these relationships informed your writing and your projects? Oh my gosh, that's been the best part. I mean, I have met the most amazing people, all different types of people uh, every day. It's like, look at us, here we are, oh. um, you know, that's and cool. we'll be spending a retreat together. So um, it's been a dream come true. I also have found in authors um, a kind of, I don't know if solidarity is the right word, like a recognition a, a, like a, a sisterhood, if you will. There are so many people out there who I hadn't met in my day-to-day -day life, 
just by chance. I mean, here I am in New York City. There are tons of writers around. I just like, they just didn't, you know, I love my girlfriends. Don't get me wrong. Love, love, love. There is something about sharing the same sort of mindset and um, like sensitivity and observation and love of books and love of words that has made me feel like this part of this bigger community and has also reinforced for me that like anything I'm thinking or feeling, somebody else out there is thinking or feeling it too. And so it's actually made me feel even more empowered to sort of share the little moments of my life that I feel like are relatable. And yeah, it's it's just amazing to to meet so many like-minded people. I realize like my personality even, like I am like a type. Like, and I've keep meeting people just like me. It's amazing. Um, I mean, not that I only want to talk to people just like me, of course. Like I, that's the other part is that I've been talking to people as from Nigeria to New Zealand, to London, to like all over the world every day. It's just the coolest and have such different experiences. Novelists, memoirists. I mean, I, I could go on and on. It's just changed my worldview. It's made me feel like I've traveled all around the world when I've just been sitting here on my computer. Yeah, it's really opened up things. So let me ask you, is this Zibby Owens living her best life right now? Yes. I mean, aside from the fact that we're at the tail end of this pandemic and um, I'm not out and about, you know, I would say living my best life involves a lot more face-to-face contact than Zoom to Zoom. But in terms of being able to meet so many people and feel like I'm making a difference and having sort of my creative juices flowing, if you will, then yes, I feel like so inspired every day. Um, I can't get enough hours in the day to do everything I want to do. So, um, so in that way, I feel blessed. I feel blessed to have this sort of second chance at life, at midlife, and I'm taking advantage of it and um, just sort of riding the wave because it so easily could have just never come. Well, you inspire us, so thank you. Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. I really appreciate it. To learn more, go to zibbyowens.com. Music by Pavel Uden and photography by Casey Meineke. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review.